So I listened to the podcast. One, definitely jealous that I was invited. Um, I feel like this is the podcast I would like the invite to. Yeah. Uh, dot, 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 dot. Anyways, you guys are amazing. Um, I truly love the analysis. Um, I do want to say that you are very hard on Molly. And I feel like you're hard on, I think, I guess the hardness and the critique on Molly it's okay for season four molly i don't think that it's it encumbers holistically who molly has been through like from season one to season four because molly has been the friend that shows up the friend that does listen um and she has been like well for me also like i saw myself in molly sometimes aspects of it in terms of her professional career where she's this like strong dominant black woman in the legal space and she's doing like brilliant stuff and even that where she goes through a period where she's realizing her self-worth and where that white space wasn't like feeding her anymore she was able to be like hold up nope no nope. <clears throat> i know my worth and i'm leaving the space she's she's problematic she is definitely problematic and but she is also a person who's able to ascertain sometimes, not all the time, um, when she is wrong and flawed, um, she does take us through her therapy uh, journey, even though sometimes she doesn't listen to her therapist, but as but she is a person that's working on herself. And I think that season four is just where she is in the basement. And She's found that the basement has a basement, but we cannot just simply judge her on that. Part two. <laughs> Isa is not, as much as like she's free spirited or whatever, that also isn't like the easiest thing to deal with. Especially because, mm. like, think about, like, season one and two, she was kind of this mess, you know what I mean? Like, inconsistent, <laughs> just, like, always needing to be safe. Sometimes you're just like, God, you'd, like, get it together. And that's another thing, like, that kind of frustrated me with Issa, like, when you first got introduced to her. I was like, this girl, can't you just get it together? Yeah. But I guess that's also <laughs> just, like, that type A kind of thing in me when I'm just like, but why must you be a mess, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> So I think But honestly she's just going through her own things. Yeah, she said something mm. important right now. Manibon. Why do I keep saying mm, okay, cool. Manibona said something so important when she's like, you know, when you're younger, being all over the place gets rewarded. I remember having this beautiful blazer that mm. had like a million badges and a million scrolls and in high mm. school when you're in like mm. drama, chess hockey, soccer, mm. you get like a badge for all of it and like you're this really cool, amazing human being that's celebrated and then all of a sudden like you leave mm. school and then all of a sudden that same behavior is messy and it's weird and that's actually, mm. that's actually such an important point that I hadn't actually thought about um, in terms of who's mm. enabling me to be this person actually. Um, mm. I, I think we'd be doing this conversation and justice if we didn't go back to a couple of episodes ago that big fight with Molly and Isa. So I mean we've kind of the block about it. <laughs> we've kind of spoken about it. Look. Um and that was hella ratchet. 
I mean, no, no, knowing what we know now, like Andrew's like breaking up with Molly and Molly's given her <laughs> into this relationship. It's the longest relationship she's been in. And she basically didn't even want to help Isa because of this relationship that has now ended. Like, does any of that conflict mm. change how we felt about that fight? They were both wrong. Yeah. yeah. They were, I, I haven't changed. I don't feel anything different. I feel like Molly was wrong in the sense that she shouldn't have done it there at the block party. She could have waited to pop off, but like she already came there feeling some type of way. Mm. So it was mm. literally going to take the littlest thing to like set her off. Mm. But. Yeah, Issa needed to do what she needed to do to make her thing a success, even though that was, like, putting her friendship at risk. But, like, they were both wrong. How was Issa wrong? What did she do? <laughs> I think about it, like, the the problem is not that it started with even the block party and Issa involving Andrew. They've already been at this point where it's tense and, like, Issa said something. Remember when they were doing grocery shopping or whatever, and then Issa said she wants to always have a problem or something like that. Yeah. And I remember being like, yo, if my friend said that to me, I would definitely have a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Issa wasn't wrong, though. No, it's not a thing of, like, you don't have to be wrong. But, like, also as my friend, you shouldn't be, like, reading me as if, like, I'm just a random person (laughs) you don't know. You know what I mean? But my look, I, I and when it's just like okay, <laughs> how do, is this how you really feel about me? Like how we, how will we friends if this is how you really feel about me? Like why would you want to be a friend with? with a, why would you want to be friends with someone that you think is like no? Here's miserable. A, I think no. I think I think Issa wasn't wrong about Mali always is finding a problem with things and Mali never really being satisfied with anything that anyone does um, because it's true. But I think it's about how you put the truth. And I think with their friendship throughout season one to season four, they've had issues with how they communicate and how they express yeah. truth to each other. They, they don't they, talk they to each other nicely. <laughs> no, they don't respect each other in the way that they speak yeah. to each other at all. And so... I think it was inevitable that they were going to get to a point where it was going to pop off and hands were going to get put on somebody because they just, they don't, they don't see each other in that kind of way. They don't respect each other. And I think for me, my issue with them is that like, even though they're right about each other and they're, and I mean, Molly was definitely out of pocket for coming at her like that. And some of the things that Molly said were actually wrong. And I don't think she should have said that. Mm. But at the same time, I think, the way that they have been confronting each other back and forth over the last four seasons is not healthy and they have not found yeah. a way to talk to so it was inevitable and I think yeah but Malish still shouldn't have popped off at Issa's event that was yeah. not cool man because cool. I think the problem the problem is how like you know as friends or whatever we can be like shady to each other but like now mm. when you're actually telling me how you feel through shade and yeah. like because mm-hmm. it's shade i must let it go but like i feel some type of way you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. got it and then they just like mm-hmm. it's it's not cute what they do uh-uh. it's really not but also i think i think when what 
what Siadimo was saying that um, Mali always felt like she was a friend who always had her things together and yeah. her friendship with Issa was based on Issa always falling apart. And the moment that Issa actually stopped falling apart and started actually being more responsible and trying to be more accountable for her own actions is when Mali decided that, you know what, Issa is, is still being messy, even though she wasn't. She was really actually trying to be exactly. as accountable for her actions. And Mali didn't mm. know how to engage Issa anymore because she's used to messy Issa. So she's, she was mm. not willing to recognize the growth that her friend had made. Mm. Yeah, I remember she even now started relevant. trying to find, she started trying to find the things like yes. when they were visiting the baby and then yeah. Lawrence was leaving, but like Issa was like, she has to go. And Molly like was just literally creating situations in her mind to be like, oh, this is what she's doing. And it really was not yes. even like that. So she just exactly. needed to... She just needed Issa to still be that Issa that is just like always messy so she can keep judging her yeah. and save her and be like, yeah, girl, you know about what I have to keep doing. But don't you think Issa needs that? Think about now where she's just said to Lawrence, like, okay, sharp, this is a lot, I can't deal. And then uh, Molly goes through her breakup and Molly calls her. Yeah. Like, the, the episode really ended with them almost trying to reconnect. Don't you think, in as much as they, they have toxic um trades towards one another there's also that value that they do have uh for they they yeah they provide to one another that they don't get anywhere else because they're both at their lowest right now and they're the only people that they can confide in so what does that actually say yeah. about i i think personally it, it's it's an awareness issue like it's it's about being aware that look if i'm going through shit this is my friend this is who i'm calling but if I'm at a good place yeah. in my life, then perhaps no, like this is not the person I'm calling, and perhaps that's healthy. See those kind of things I don't vibe with because <laughs> we must be there for each other's lows and highs. You know what I mean? But what if I'm only like, at picking you up and like building you and like if you're my construction site, I can be Bob the Builder. But if you're together, I don't no. have to be with you. No, but think no. about it. Molly is the one that called Issa this time. Yeah. To set to fix things. Issa Molly is unaware of Lawrence impregnating Condola and stuff. Got it, got it. Mm. Yeah. But that's You're the right. Thing. She was willing to let Issa go because she was like, yo, I'm trying to save this relationship. Even if it means now I'm not gonna be there for you um during this big career move of yours. And as soon as that relationship ended, the first person she thinks of is Issa. So she's also another person I think that she does value Issa in a particular way. And I don't know, maybe this is a, a form of imposter syndrome here because she was trying so hard to be this person that she's not just because she feels like she needs, she's too old to not have had a steady relationship. So she needs to foster this relationship with Andrew. And now it's not working. And now she's like, what the fuck was I doing? Let me go back to who I really am. I don't know. Like it's it's actually confusing. I'm trying to figure out like what Molly is feeling, what that means, and in which ways. For me, I think I don't know. I think for me, Molly was genuinely trying to put in the actual work into making a relationship work, which is a lot for her. Which is something that she's never really done. Like yeah. she even expressed it when she was to Andrew, and she was saying that like this is the first relationship where I've actually gotten this so far to the extent where I have to 
start thinking about how to even like fit you into my schedule, how to fit you mm. into my life. I've never had to do that. And so she was working really hard to make sure that this relationship works so mm. that when it falls apart, it's not from a lack of trying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so she was so invested in it that I think she she was trying to make sure that nothing gets in the way, whether it's her friendship, whether it's work, whatever. She was trying to make sure that nothing gets in the way of her actually working hard at this relationship. I do think, however, that what Daniela is saying is that like, if 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 we can be there for each other's lows, we should be able to be there for each other's high moments. And I agree with her because it's like, dude, you can't be you can't be there to pick up the pieces. But when I'm shining, you're not there. I don't like that because it's like so now yeah. I must only be there miserable. So when you're sipping wine on terraces and living your best life, where must I be? In the ghetto mm. where you left me, nah, be wanna be there. And that's another thing that I don't like about this thing, about that relationship with Molly and Andrew, because it was almost like she was forcing it because it's the thing of like, okay, she's now blown up this relationship with Issa for Andrew. It has to work. Like, mm. it has to work. And she's putting all this pressure and being like, okay. But it's all like, she just, also, she doesn't, I don't know, Molly does not do She's going to therapy, but in terms of like introspection and working on herself, she literally like refuses to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I just don't get like Uzmi in terms of like what does she actually think is gonna happen if she literally still continues to refuse <laughs> change? Like where does she think she's gonna go? Like I just don't get it. I think though she has like very unrealistic expectations of like relationships in general, whether it's friendships or love relationships, because even with her parents' relationship, she was mad for like the longest time. She was big mad about her dad. That's like a girl or entitled. Like, ungena. No, but guys, let's, let's also be fair. If you had your, we all know what it's like to grow up having like uh, the certain perspective on like, this is how things are. And, like, when that thing breaks and it's no longer like that, that cognitive dissonance, like, you just, how do you deal with that? Because you always view this thing as, like, perfect and all this stuff. And when you realize it's not that, like, your whole world is broken and, like, it's falling apart, where do you even, like, begin to, like, now think of, like, okay, what are relationships? Mm-mm-mm-mm. I get I get that cognitive dissonance and I get that like her parents were this idea that she made up in her head but like it's not like this is the first relationship or the first marriage she's heard about or the first like <laughs> love relationship she's ever been part of like when you're 11 yeah, and when you're 11 and your world is shattered and you realize oh love is not necessarily what I made it out to be I can understand you being angry and you like acting out but like she's 29 30 brah she's seen other relationships before it shouldn't completely rock her world like that I mean like I can see why but I'm like dog come on you're doing a lot but when you haven't gone through life like Molly, because like her life seems to be together, you know what I mean? When you've gone mm. through life in this like little bubble of like you've had a stable home, you've got a stable job, like everything for you is like going like not obviously perfectly, but like but it's going fine. Too. When that bubble pops, because you haven't like really gone through something like 
that traumatic you can see things but like when it's happening to you it's different so speaking on that actually i I do think throughout the whole series like from season one right up until now they are finding different ways to tackle and deal with imposter syndrome because with molly it's her having to be sort of literally completely different versions of herself in every single situation like who she is with isa is not who she she is at work um with isa it's when like for example the block party when she has to be selling different versions of it to different people depending on who she thinks they think she is right and i mean we all experience that my personal story is like literally to this day when I open my emails and I refresh, I'm still waiting for an email that says, yo, Bezdala, you're not going to UCLA. This is a joke. Ha ha ha. He he he. And I, I don't know, like, is it progressive? The way the show deals with imposter syndrome, is it progressive in that it's helping us find some sort of closure or is it just highlighting what we already know our lives comprise of and that's all there is to it? Yeah, I think it's just highlighting it. Yeah, I agree. I also don't think you can really get over imposter syndrome or be in a space to like completely be over it unless you're a white male, Rev. Mm. Got it. For sure, because you see it with even like Indian and colored people when like literally they they have different accents. You know what I mean? At home they speak in a certain way. When they get to work, because like they have to present themselves as like this person who's professional whatever because the way they speak is deemed like unprofessional and it's wild like having to go through life like just even changing the way you speak yeah it's i think we all code switch them we all code switch as black people we code switch as well yeah like the person you are when you go the person you are when you go home to your aunts and uncles and your nephews and nieces is not the same person you are when you are at work. It's not the same person you were when you were in university. It's not the same person that you are when you're with your friends. We quote switch to survive. All of us do it. And that mm. does create a space of imposter syndrome because you feel like you constantly feel like you're going to get caught out. Yeah. And none of yeah. it feels like all you. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying you probably won't deal with imposter syndrome unless you're a white male because you don't have to code switch for anybody. Everybody accepts yeah, who you are. Yeah, you, because you made the system. It's yours. You're the standard. Did anybody exactly. watch the Mind Done episode when they were talking about imposter syndrome? Baby? I think the one takeaway from this. Yes, I did. I think it was Issa's What episode? The, the Wind Down. I think Issa's brother. I, I can't remember who the guest was. But the takeaway was sometimes it's okay to say you don't know. So this constant irrational fear of feeling like you're going to be found out. Sometimes it's okay to just be like, actually, I don't know. Yes, because that writer guy was saying it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That writer guy. Yes. (laughs) Got it. The producer and writer guy, yeah. Yeah, um, but that had me thinking, you know, like I I binge watched The Wind Down yesterday. I heard about it for the first time, I think. Um, when Zanella told me about it last week and but that had me really thinking like why can't black tv just be tv for the sake of tv you know why does it always have to mean something represent something be unpacked why does it have to teach us life lessons like what is it about 
I mean, Issa's doing amazing. We're so proud of her. She's on these platforms. Mm. Presentation matters. And honestly, I love Issa so much for being able to create this mm. platform. And over the weeks, we've seen conversations on social media. We've seen conversations. Just they've been, especially because of lockdown. Now there's WhatsApp groups. Now we're on this call. Yeah, and we're like, sure. if it was a white male show, it would just be, ha, 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 okay, keep it moving. But now we're just like, oh, yeah, no, but what does it mean? But yeah, that like, will always happen. That will always happen when something is like the first of its kind. Mm-hmm. It always needs to represent something or whatever. When there are like a hundred black shows, then they will just become shows. You know what I mean? But when they still the first of something, it always has to be that building block or whatever to get the other people to that to that level. I get that. I also so think there's an, like an ad. I was about to say I always feel like there is like an unsaid uh, weight put on black entertainers to yeah. represent like the black community which is something they really deal with in insecure as well when Easter's at we got y'all and she's the only black person working yeah. there yeah. And, and she keeps pointing to the fact that like everyone makes her feel like she has to be responsible to speak for all black people yeah. and yeah. like the thing that we have to deal with constantly over and over and over and over again but like I agree with you what you're saying I think it's important for us to realize that like the more black shows we have, the more shows that, that, that portray us and like give us entertainment, the less we have to be like, why does this show da 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 da? But yeah, I think we have we have a responsibility, which is like I said, unsaid, that if you're a black person, you are representing the black race wherever you are in the world. Mm. How? You know? And so in those yeah. moments, like even when you're having conversations with people, they ask you like you should be talking for everyone that's black. Exactly. Even though you you're like we all have different experiences. None of our experiences are the same. They might be similar, but they're never really the same. And so mm-hmm. for me it's like so finding a way to even talk about that to say that listen, this is a show created by black people with black people and it talks about black people's experiences, but it's from a certain perspective and it's limited even in its way of trying to speak to us about blackness, is that it doesn't talk about every aspect of our blackness. It just talks about so a young a young person's experience, young black female pers- uh, experience. Of living young, in a very uh, remote area of LA. Like she literally, she yes. lives in a very specific part of LA. She's not even like... Yes representing all Americans or all people. No, it's literally in the wood. And mm-hmm. so I think that for me is like a way to say that like dude there's multiple perspectives and this is just one way yeah. to deal with this as well. Because I like I think also the way that she deals with all of these issues is is in a way, yes, a way for us to think about them, but also a way for us to be relaxed about them so that they're not so taboo and not so like, oh, they're talking about mental health issues. Or like they're talking about um, postpartum depression. Oh my God. It's like, I think she's just trying to make it as seem as normal as possible. And not even normal to normalize. Well, that's a normal. But normal in that it's it's part of your life. So I, I personally like yeah. example how they dealt with Nathan's bipolar 
um, announcement in virtual mm. commerce because it was like if you're having a conversation with your male friend and they're telling you that about themselves they're not going to be like mm. hey, sit down let's not unpack this issue let's especially black men man they're not that kind of people so mm. it is literally going to have mm. a day, and it is like a segment in his life that is part of his mm. everyday life it's not like this big theme it's not his whole life yeah, he doesn't have yeah. to on his sleeve. He doesn't have to lead with it when he enters conversation. And I think <laughs> if we're being really honest, like as black people just living in this effed up world, I think all of us on some level are dealing with some or other mental health issue. Um, mm. Even if it's something as, I don't want to say basic, because now that's like um, nullifying or invalidating the experience. But like PTSD, you know, people think PTSD isn't a mental yeah. health issue, but it is. If rather, rather say as common. Common, mm. yes. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to end it here for part two and then wrap this conversation up in the third and final part of this episode. <laughs>